How do you measure yourself with other golfers? By height. It's a very, very special honor. I'm Paula Kramer, and you're listening. Well, we're waiting. Hi, this is Martin Cove, a.k.a. John Kreese from Cobra Kai, and you're listening to Golf Talk Live. Let the word go out from here across the land. Let Daddy Noonan uh, approve. Welcome, 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 everyone. Alan DePue, another episode of Golf Talk Live. I am back in the cold north, and I'm joined once again, I have not seen him forever, Christian Nazamus, the favorite podcaster of them all. I would say the most good-looking, but that clearly goes to you, Alan. As you oh, you're so kind. Over. You're too kind for me. But hey, folks, this is a big show for us. I thought the last show was big. I was at Lake Nona. I'm hanging out with Fancy Deer and Mike Armel while they're taking down the, uh, the stands. From the following the LPGA event, Tony's over at the PGA show bringing us the top 10. But no, this is a big show because we have a big announcement to make. Golf Talk Live is expanding. Golf Talk Live is going to a panel format. I'm going to make some introductions. Some, of, If you follow the show, you know some of these folks. We bring in some new contributors that we haven't had. But we're always going to try to bring you the men, the women, the ladies, uh, the people that are shaping the game of golf. We're going to have some good celebrities. And there's no one that's touched more in touch with celebrities than the next man, Boston Bob Baldessari. Oh, well, I'm a celebrity. <laughs> that's because I know you. You're a celebrity. You're almost famous. Bob, who else all do we have joining us? Uh, well, it's a very esteemed, it's a uh, golf triumvirate uh, that's coming in to join you and Kristen. We've got Brendan Elliott, uh, national award winner for youth golf, and a million things to grow the game. Andy Heidorn. teaching stud is what we're trying to say there. Yes. <laughs> yeah. I tried. For sure. Yeah, he uh, he never, ever stops, uh, for sure. Uh, we've got a guy in Andy Heidorn that's uh, – Andy and I go back a couple of years into the Boston area when uh, he was a sales rep and with uh, a little company that was just starting and called Callaway – and um I've heard of them. yeah brilliant mind brilliant business mind um and i would say a wicked good golfer to boot nice to boot. andy andy welcome brennan as always always good to see you have you back on once again and so so folks let's I'm, we, let's set the stage we've got to talk about this a little bit when we're talking when, just before the pga show bob we were like hey you know what the golf talk live our 19th hole podcast we're just going right back to the golf talk live name because that was what T Tony created. And you've, Brendan's had the love of the links. And we're like, well, we have these two great podcasts out there. What if we merge these together and give even better content to the, to the people? And that's where we're at. But we've even taken it one step further because we're talking about where are we going to be posting up potentially? Well, this, we, is your, we, this is your chance, Bob, to plug away. Yeah, we, we are warmly inviting you and everybody down to the uh, our little social hour at the uh, Trident Golf Performance and Lifestyle Center. Uh, we're inside the Club Med Sandpiper Bay Village in Port St. Lucie. So we're looking at doing some sort of studio in there. We, we do have a stimulator on the way, hopefully in about a week or two. And we're going to create in a very unique, innovative environment, unlike anything in this country has ever seen. And so if you know me, you know what I'm into um, I, I want to be the first to try things. I want to be the first to set a uh, set a course. So with all of us, our collective minds, and what we're going to do there at our uh, Trident Golf Performance and Lifestyle Center, you're going to see some pretty cool stuff come down the pike. 
So, Christian, what that means is while we're up here just enjoying the winter in the Northeast, and, and these guys are in sunny, sunshine state, Florida, we have a place to go to. Absolutely. I'm always ready to get out of New York State. It, it's going to be <laughs> seven degrees in Syracuse, New York on Sunday. So, oh, that sounds, that sounds balmy for the Super Bowl. Absolutely. <laughs> hey, listen, it's cold down here. You know, it was in the 50s, you know, the sport, uh, high 40s, I think, this morning. Actually, oh, I tell you what, when I was there for the PGA show, Sunday, the Sunday before the, uh, the golf business show, it was a high bad. of 46. I was eight in life, guys. Yeah, that was bad. I think I only 46. packed shorts. Yeah, <laughs> it was 46 in Syracuse yesterday, and it was a heat wave. It's like people were outside wearing shorts. So, like we we typically do, and we can dive in. Well, I'm sure we're going to interject more about what some of our future plans are as soon as we figure out what those future plans are. But for right now, I usually take the show notes and I usually toss them out the window, and I just say, let's just talk about a couple of things that are happening in golf because there's, you would think the beginning of uh, this point of the season there's not a lot going on the majors haven't gotten here but andy there's a lot of things in the news i mean live live investments is making making a uh a little bit of a challenge for the pga tour what say you well i i <laughs> my my initial reaction to what they're doing it reminds me and and my buddy bob there will remember this when Derek sanderson signed a million dollar contract to go play for the philadelphia blazers, blazers. Blazers, yep. Yeah, so, you know, it, it, it has that feeling of the WHL, right, where they're just, you know, a bunch of, of gaudy people throwing a bunch of money at, at people um, to try to get them to jump. Um, and, you know, my initial reaction was some of the, the comments out there, you know, especially Phil's comments were, you know, dude, just did, have you forgotten where where you came from and and how you are Phil Mickelson and, and how you have the reach that you do. And, and I get it. Everybody wants, wants to examine every little bit of business, but man, it just struck me the wrong way to, to see some of those comments. And, and uh, I don't know, at what point does Phil Mickelson need more money? I was going to say, I was going to say, Brendan, is that the PGA tours greed? (laughs) You know, you, you hear comments like that and you think about all the the commissioner has done in the last couple of years, you right. know, and bringing more to the table for for guys that already had a lot to look for. You know, you got the you got their annuity that they have or their retent or their uh, pension plan. Pension. They've got their uh this this thing where if you're really good at social media or getting folks uh, eyeballs onto the PGA tour, you're going to get a little sweetness in the pot. And there's even things that folks don't know about, like the it's uh, I think it's called the play 15 or something where they get a bonus just for teeing it up 15 starts on tour. I mean, the PGA tour really does take care of their guys. So, you know, to, to hear Phil, especially a guy like Phil, you know, who who has been kind of, you know, one of the, 10 most prolific uh, golfers on the PGA tour over the last, you know, couple decades. Yeah. I think you should have walked those comments back. Christian, does he give back his 8 million from the, uh, <laughs> from the bonus? Uh, no, knowing Philly's probably going to go to the nearest casino and gamble it away or gamble it on the <laughs> Super Bowl, probably. 
I mean, no, look, I love Phil. All right, so I, we I, found I, Stephen A. Smith in our group. <laughs> no, I mean, I, I love Phil. Phil's, Phil's a class act. Everybody loves Phil the way he acts on and off the golf course, but I thought his comments were out of character, personally. You know, it's not like he needs the money in the first place. I mean, that he's, what, net worth of $40 or something? Like, it's not like he needs it. Um, but lower guys on tour that don't make, you know, the cuts or win the tournaments, yeah, that's a, that's a big ordeal for them. So, Bobby, I mean, weigh in on this. Yeah, well, Andy made a great point about the WHL. Uh, and Andy, by the way, I think in my home in Wilmington, Masters, the Philadelphia Blazers jacket that Johnny McKenzie gave me <laughs> somewhere. So. Of course, there is, Bob. <laughs> of course, I save everything. I know. Yes, um, folks, folks, we're only doing the audio. We'll, we'll be one of the plans is to obviously add video to this, uh, which could be detrimental. I gotta buff my forehead <laughs> before I do that. But uh, I mean, <laughs> it, you got you got to see Baldassar. He, he's got Bobby Orr. I mean, he's holding up Bruins mugs. It's it's bad. It's subtle. It's very subtle. <laughs> very it's subtle. subtle. <laughs> it's like they call you Boston Bob, I guess. You know, just, I just I, I was just thinking. Um, you know, I, one of my jobs going through my career a couple of jobs ago was uh, being the GM at Dean Beeman's Golf Club in Virginia. One day I was talking to G Dean Beeman, and uh, it struck me that he said, you know, when he came in as commissioner, it's about $1,000 in assets with the PGA Tour. He said we owned a desk, a fi uh, I think a typewriter and a chair and maybe a file cabinet. That's crazy. No kidding. That's, in that's insane. Yeah. Yeah, when you think about that, it was a little office in Washington, D.C. And I said, my God, Dean, I said, well, you took the tour from station wagons to jets. If Tim Fincham took him from jets to personal jets, I mean, they must be on rocket ships now because, uh, yeah, but that was a really neat uh, conversation I had with Dean. Um, and you, you think about, and that was what, in the 70, what was that, 72, 74? He went in as commissioner 74, I think. Right. Uh, you know, it's astounding growth. And, um, yeah, I know a lot of tour players. We all know some people out on tour. And well, fin uh, I mean, Finch Fincham certainly. Uh, this guy by, by the name of Eldrick probably helped his his cause a little bit. But I mean, that's yeah. Um, Brendan, something that's near and dear to you. I know we were chatting about it before we went on air. Is the ladies? Yeah. Because and, and and Christian, you and Andrew, you know, Andrew will be hopping on occasionally. We have not lost Andrew. He's just MIA at the moment. Um, the women's women's tour does not get the representation that it does enough. Fortunately, last week I was in, I was at Lake Nona. I'll keep throwing that in there. Cause I, I would like to be teeing it up at Lake Nona again. And, you know, Mike Carmel was sharing some great stories about Danielle Kang literally live running the house two doors down from, from uh, him and just what great, not only people they are on the LPGA tour, they're so engaging with the fans. Yeah. But they're also what talent. I mean, I played Nona, and for them to shoot the numbers they shot, and further back than I was playing, by the way, <laughs> then it's impressive, absolutely impressive. But the big news was the Epson tour. Yeah, and and they're talking of doubling purses, you know, and giving giving the girls that that get their car, they they turn into ambassadors for the for the for the Epson tour as they move up to the LPGA tour and. They get, you know, a little bit of cash to, to get going and get started once they get their tour card. This is, this is like I told you before we went on, this is a long time coming for the ladies. And, you know, as an instructor, one of the things I like most about the LPGA Tour in the former Symmetra Tour, now Espen Tour, is these, these are the, 
the professionals that most amateurs, men or women, need to watch and emulate and and play like because they're they play within themselves. Not nothing against the PGA Tour, but it's a lot of bomb and gouge, and you know how far can we hit it and. And that's fun to watch, no question about it. And and there's a lot of eyeballs on the PGA Tour, but these, like you said, these ladies can play, man. And and to to ha- as a coach to refer to watch a video of some of the best on the LPGA Tour, and, and now we're going to get that chance to see even more of the talent that's out there in the women's game. It's awesome. Well, Andy, I haven't seen you. T- I, I was going to throw this to Christian because I know he's a stick. Um, I haven't seen you play, but what's your What's your thoughts on it? I mean, do you look at the guys on the tour and try to emulate what they're doing? The ladies, I mean, who's who's who should the average person be listening to or watching right now to improve their games? Yeah, I mean, I I, I think the average person could gain more from, like Brendan said, I agree 100% from watching how some of the ladies manage their way around the golf course because, you know, they're not all hitting it, you know, 280 yards. And and it's it's uh, it's a real it's a real game of, of strategy and placement and all that other stuff. Um, I personally love watching the ladies and I always have, I mean, I was always a huge Annika fan. Um, and I, I just think that, that the, the ladies game, um, you know, is, is somewhat, you know, favoring some of the, the bombers out there, you know, there's some girls who can really, really move it. Um, but generally speaking, there's still a lot of girls who are really competitive, um, who don't hit it very far and, and they play a great, a great game of golf and, and working their way around the golf course. So I'm, I'm a huge fan of the ladies game. Um, and I love to watch. And Christian, as, as our resident bomber, do you have any thoughts on Brendan's comment about bombing and gouging or, I mean. I know you're no, a big. I, I know you're a big Bryson fan, so we'll, we'll uh, let you. You'll, we'll let that chime in right now, so everybody understands your passion for Bryson. Yeah, I love Bryson. He's my <laughs> favorite player on the PGA Tour. Um, no, I, I I agree with Brendan and what he's saying. I mean, golf golf's not a game of bombing. Golf's a game of inches, and it comes down to what you can do inside 125 yards. And honestly, watching watching the women on the PGA LPGA Tour it's honestly a treat to watch half of them play because they're so in their swing. They're so consistent with what they do. Their putting is amazing. Um, I like personally watching the LPGA tour better because it fits my game better. Um, I, I personally for, for like myself do not like bombing the ball 315 yards on the middle of the fairway because it doesn't does. matter, but because it doesn't matter what you do. <laughs> if you hit it in the rough, it, it all, all you, it matters is how you put the ball in the hole. And I'm not saying the PGA tour is not great, but, you know, again, I think the PGA Tour and what Bryson is doing and like what Brooks is doing, for example, and try to like bomb at 400 plus yards, it's great. Yeah. But at the end of the day, it's I just think it's more of a treat to watch the LPGA. Personally. Bob, I'm going to give you a two parter here. One to touch on to follow up on what Brendan said about the financial side of it. I mean, the financial side for Epson, they made a, a strong financial commitment and then for everybody. But we'll let Bob follow it up with. Did you see the statistic that popped up about with Bryson pre-bulk up versus um, post-bulk up? So Epson ladies first, Mr. Baldessari, but then what say you about Bryson? He wasn't on the the show notes either. I just threw that in there. Yeah, I'm I'm, going to throw you ahead, Faye, because I I need to touch on something as probably more Brennan and I as instructors, but I have uh, in the last – 
I don't know. I can't think of the last male golfer that came out to take a, take a lesson from me in the last year or more that uh, legitimately can hit it more than 225. So when people say, you know, oh, you know, like the ladies game, I say, you know, look at the ladies game for some short game, some course management, some that phrase, maybe play within yourself, but really what does that mean? Um, but take from the ladies game, all these good things is going to help your game as a guy appreciate their athleticism and what, everything they do. Then look at the PGA tour and use off of that um, some things that can help your game. I mean, I've get people that walk in and they are wh whatever, I don't want to, whatever size they are, but they sit behind a desk 80 hours a week. And then they come out on a Saturday morning. Hey, Bob, I want to swing like tiger. Well, you got no shot at doing that. So let's work with physically what you can do to enjoy the game. So so a lot of people that just they, they watch the tour and they go, I think I can do that. Well, there was one I thought I could dunk a basketball. I mean, you know, you can't you try, but you just you're not physically going to do that thing. Uh, you know, the Epson thing. Uh, I think that was fantastic. I hope that breathes some really good, strong life into that category, of the ladies game. And um, that can help just. Well, my thing is always uh, like Brandon and, and all of us. Uh, how does that what does that translate down to the grassroots? What does that do at the the facility level what are the the girls that are playing junior league golf out there are playing drive or what are they doing and is that helping them if they have the dream and the willpower and the inspiration to make it on tour is, is that going to help the next generation andy got any thoughts on that no i i i agree with with what bob said and, and i i uh i think personally that american golf uh, in the ladies game is making a little comeback here. I agree. Um, and one of the things that I think is responsible for that is this drive chip and putt. Yeah. Um, I think there's been a, a, a larger focus on, on, you know, young girls playing the game and, and growing up into to junior players and college players. And I, I think it's, it's done wonders for, for ladies golf, especially in this country. You know, and, I wanted to add uh, one, one of the things that I find fascinating is we hear a lot about the first tee and some of the newer initiatives like Bobby was a big part of drive, chip and putt. Um, but there's something to be said about the women starting one of the first, you know, large scale junior programs in LPGA, USGA girls golf. That's that's predecessor that came before first tee and what we've seen uh, to Bobby's point in the growth at the grassroots with, with girls, um, teenage girls, younger girls is outstanding in the last couple of years. Um, the fact that we're, we've gone, I think the stat was five years ago. I think we had like 2.5 million junior golfers and now we're at 3.1 million junior golfers. But within the, that bigger number, the smaller segments, we've got tremendous growth in the girls game, tremendous growth in, you know, the minority sector. So all these programs, you know, that have been around for a long time and looking specifically at the girls like LPGA girls golf, um, they just put their head down. They, they just keep charging forward and we're starting to see, you know, the fruits of the labor. Christian, you yeah. said all along since, you know, we've been, I guess, doing the show even as far back as a few years ago that how, what a great position you feel that the, both tours are in, but you especially said that the ladies, I mean, and, and to Andy's point, I mean, you've got the Corda sisters, you had Danielle Kang, who, by the way, Danielle, we still would like to play you our scramble versus your ball. 
I'm just throwing that out again. I'm hoping <laughs> Mike Carmel can help make that happen. Um, we'll lose. Uh, but what's, I mean, Christian, what's your thoughts? Yeah. I mean, every tour that you see right now that is on t- like television um, is in a phenomenal spot. Um, just, just from talent wise. I mean, there's, there's not a clear cut favorite every single week when you, when anybody tees it up and it's just like a, it's a very good treat to watch it every single week. I mean, um, I mean, yeah, the, the ladies tour, uh, excuse me, the women's tour, the LPGA, I mean, with all the American golfers that are coming up right now, like we just mentioned the core sisters, Danielle King, Lexi Thompson still up there. I mean, it's just like women's golf right now, especially in America is in a phenomenal spot. Um, because you know, for a Solheim cup, you know, that's like their bread and butter. They want to win. And they're young. I mean, that's the, that's very young. Yeah. Yeah. So they're going to be, they're going to be, they're going to be a household name for, for many years to come. Yeah, absolutely. So I I think both tours, I mean, uh, just on the American side, I think that there's so much talent and they're only going to be continue to get better over the years. So lots of excitement, obviously, Bob, but there's a lot of excitement also. And Andy, I want to start with you on this one. Rowdy golf Phoenix. (laughs) It's, it's that, it's that, is this a good thing for golf? Is this a bad thing for golf? Is it good for one time? What's your thoughts on the Phoenix waste management? Okay. Hopefully over, over the next several weeks of doing this podcast, I can, you know, somehow talk about my disdain for golf bros, right? The, the, (laughs) the ridiculous young guys who are out there making, you know, asses of themselves on the golf course and doing all that. But I, I think it's it's somewhat. Uh, all- no, I'm going to give you the floor right now. Elaborate on that. That's that's. I mean, we wanted some good topic. Let's go. Yeah, well, <laughs> it, it just. <laughs> it, it, I think it's connected to the rowdy golf thing, and I do think I do think, you know, the rowdy golf thing is good. I I do think it's good. I think I think you know this week especially, um, you know, it's an awesome atmosphere out there. I think the players love it. I think it's good for the game. I think being able to, to make a distinction between what's going on in Phoenix and, you know, the dude that's yelling, go in the hole or mashed potatoes or, or all that other stupid stuff that, that happens to you, the man. I, I, yeah, you, the man, <laughs> I think it kind of, it kind of comes from the same place a little bit. Um, but in, in my opinion, it's, I think it's, it's, uh, it's really good for, for golf it's good it's good to to get better viewership and and uh but i do hate golf pros yeah <laughs> okay so so bob as a new england guy the predecessor to this was obviously hartford i mean they used to cheer when you'd miss the green right <laughs> if you three putt yeah you know it's interesting uh when i was at pga village and i was a gm there and i had the key to the back room of the Museum of Golf, and I used to go back there and look at magazines from the 1920s and 30s. I think it was in 1933, there was an article in a PGA magazine, basically said the game of golf is going down the tubes because men are not wearing jacket and tie when they play golf. <laughs> you, you, know, you think about that statement. So, um, but I've, it was, usually been, I've usually been outnumbered, Mr. Baldessari, when without wearing my golf hoodie. So yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna put I'm gonna put uh, our our uh, Gen Z on the or slash millennial. What are you? Is it a Z or a millennial, Christian? I guess uh, you're a, I guess you're a Z, right? You're, I think I'm a Z. Yeah, I think you're a Z. So we're gonna put you on the spot. I mean, <laughs> is this what is this what your generation's all about? Is getting rowdy? 
listening to a band i mean yeah i mean that's (laughs) not not me personally i I don't i don't i don't have that scene anymore i was back in my college days but no i mean half the you know people in my generation absolutely so yeah i would say that all they want to do is get rowdy like when, when they go to a golf tournament absolutely when they play golf just for fun with the guys music's blaring probably a 12 pack in their gut oh yeah yep Hey Bob, so don't wear uh, wear, make sure to wear your jacket and tie. Uh. Yeah, well, you know, I, I'm hey, I'm old enough that I was in the golf shop at Weston Golf Club when Tony Morosco, who just recently passed away, was a PGA head pro, PGA Hall of Famer, and uh, we brought in some Ashworth one spring, and it was 1990 and 91, and the member said, "Well, I don't ever sell. It's not hard collar." I remember being at my dad's club when the you know persimmons are going away with the tailor-mades. I mean. Uh, in my own shop in 1996, September 1st, 96, my elbow is still sore from when we started taking out metal spikes and putting in soft spikes. Um, you know, the, the game of golf changes. The great thing about golf is history and tradition. The worst thing about golf is history and tradition. Yeah, it's like, it's, like, it's like steering the Titanic, right? Yeah, and, you know, I, I agree with Andy. I mean, if it's a one or two or whatever it is, the cadence for just a fun, fun crazy atmosphere that gets people that are casual observers. I say observers of the game. They don't play it. Now, the key is how do you get those people that say, that looks like fun. Wow, look at that atmosphere. How do I get it to a driving range, a green grass facility, and get the Brendan Elliott's of the world to make them into a golfer? Uh, that, that's how my brain tries to connect those dots. But if we had a few more of these events like this, that would be great. I was going to have Augusta, the majors. That's just a different realm. Uh, but I love these things. I wish, I actually wish there was a little more, but then how do we connect these people that get excited bit into the game? So Brennan, do you don't, you don't anticipate this taking place uh, on number 12 when balls go into race Creek? <laughs> well, it, you know, that's a good point because <laughs> look, I, I may be getting closer to 50 years old, but I, I kind of like this. And the, the fact that you can have people that can separate even your casual golf fans can separate the difference between the waste management and Augusta national, the tradition of Augusta and the let's have a good time watching guys on a short par three and maybe knock one stiff, you know, it's, it's cool. I'm a stats guy. You're going to find that out. I love oh, I'm a numbers guy. Christian, Christian can attest. I'm all about the numbers. Big the numbers NG, guy. NGF stuff. The big number for me is there's 17.8 million people that are very interested in playing the game, but don't play the game right now. And you look at the advent of things like uh, Top Golf and Drive Shack and Pop Stroke. These are really proving that they work to pull people in to be uh, that person that says, "Oh, golf looks cool, but I, you know, it's not something for me." These are those stepping stones to get people into golf. If watching the PGA Tour, because there's this atmosphere that they have uh, at the waste management, and that could potentially pull somebody into, you know, calling up Bobby or myself to get lessons for their kids or for themselves, I I say, you know, more power to the PGA Tour, more power to these different avenues to get people into the game. Love it. Love it. So next on my list, I've got... Obviously, we're going to continue with the waste management. Usually, folks, by the way, we are recording on Friday. This will be released. 
I'm deciding. I'm thinking Valentine's Day. Might come on Monday morning, but uh, may, may, may come out over the weekend. Um, Got to get with the guys on a few things. But we normally do the provide the betting lines, and we're a little late on that because the, the 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 everything's already started. But Christian, have you been watching any of the tournament? And who do you think's looking good this week out in Phoenix? Oh yeah, I've I've been watching the tournament. I mean, it's hard not to bet against Brooks, especially here of all. Places. That's your boy. Oh yeah, I love Brooks, but I don't know. I mean, looking at the leaderboard so far, I mean, it's I could see Patrick Cantlay if he gets a putter rolling. I mean, I could see him going on top any any time. I mean, I could see a guy making a, a move um, really tomorrow. I mean, one guy that I like to see him make a move is Abraham Answer. I think he's one of the most consistent guys on tour, personally, ball striking wise. I just wish that his putter would come alive, you know, every single week. And if it did, I mean, he'd he'd be top player in the world, no question. So who are you putting money on before I go to Andy? Um, Brooks. Brooks. Andy? Xander. Ooh. What? Hey, but what? Xander's uh, caddy was had COVID, right? I still put my money on Xander. <laughs> <laughs> Boston Bob? Uh, Andy's so smart. He's uh, – he. I was going to say Xander. Good thing A comes before B. <laughs> Brendan? Well, so I'm looking at the leaderboard right now. You, when when Kepka's up near the top, you know, he's he's hard to beat. Xander's a stick, but I'm going to I'm going to go for some sentimental Don't you steal my, don't you steal my guy? I got two sentimental favorites. All right. One, one I'm sure nobody on the panel has. All right. Uh, but my first is Keegan Bradley. I'm a big fan of Keegan. His dad's a fantastic PGA professional. I think what Keegan's at six under right now. He had pairs of 68s on Thursday and Friday. The kid that nobody's going to have, he was actually on the high school team I coached for several years here in Orlando, a uh, kid by the name of Sam Ryder. He went out, shot 64 today after an even par on Thursday, but he had six birdies in a row on the front nine. So he got it going. He's been up in the top 10 a couple times. He's been in the final pairing, I think, twice and just hasn't gotten it to the house. But, you know, could this be his week? Is a former high school coach of his? I, I hope so. I'll tell you what, he he actually, I, th I think he is in that next tier. We've, we've talked about it a number of times. I think he's in that next tier just poised to make that breakthrough. I'm personally going with Max Homa. Yeah. That's, I, think, I think he's, I think he found himself after last year and is settling into, he, he can crack into that next level of, of player. It's going to be great entertainment. It's going to be great entertainment coming to 16. Um, hey, Alan. Yes. Yeah, I just want to interject some. Uh, you know, I used to, when I'm in my golf shop, every time there's a major championship, and especially the British Open or the Open Championship, people come in and they go, hey, who's leading? And I go, uh, Baldessari's got a two-shot lead. And I pause and they go, oh, he must be from Italy. I go, uh, I think so, yeah. <laughs> and they're like, so I'm standing there usually with a name tag on, and they're looking right at me. And I go, uh, yeah, he's, uh, you know, he's really good. He hasn't won a lot lately, but um, he's got a lot of game. And they're like, well, you know a lot about him. I go, yeah, I follow him. Yeah. And then they walk out of the shop. It's the craziest. It might my staff is like dying, crying, laughing. You got to see him work the ball off the tee. He's impressive. Yeah. <laughs> I do it all the time. Who's winning? Uh, Ballstar's got a five shot lead. Really? Where's he from? 
So Christian, I, my last on my little show notes before I'll turn it over to other, everyone else on the panel is the PGA show, as I mentioned, it was last week. I know you were stuck in the snow, but um, Bob, the uh, PGA show, did you make it up there this year? I was there. Yep. Got any, got any feedback? My takeaway was this. Let me just throw this. My takeaway was where was all the big companies? Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, they were not there. Uh, it, it was interesting. It felt like a regional show. Um, I remember the days of the – remember when it was Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, and yeah. Indy was in the same day probably with Callaway, and you could not – I mean, you could not move in there on Friday, the PGA Pro Day. Um, it was I – don't, I don't think it's a new normal. I, you know, it's a relationship – um, emotional connection, relationship, business. I can always see the show being there. Maybe the new normal is it's not quite what it used to be, and and that could still be okay. But um, I know I personally know a lot of small companies, the Orca Golf Bag, Deb and Erica Bennett, um, some of the companies I saw that said, my God, we were so busy. We wrote a lot of business. So that could be good for the next, the up and coming companies. Andy, from from the merchandising side, I mean, what what are you hearing? Well, this was literally the first year in thirty five years that I haven't been to the show, um, and and I I kind of share a similar opinion to Bob. I think I think generally speaking, who cares if if Titleist and Taylor Made and Callaway are there? I mean, right. I I just I just think the value of the show, and believe me, I've I've been there as part of Callaway for years and, and my own small company. Um, so I've seen both sides of it, but I think the, the beauty of the show is the ability for smaller companies to really show, you know, mm -hmm. what they do um, to people who don't really have any idea that they even exist. So right. the, the ability for, for buyers and, and golf pros to find things that they, they didn't know they were looking for in, in these little companies' ability to show people what they do. I think that's a great thing about the show. As, as opposed to being stuck over on the other side of the curtain on the far uh, yeah. east, end, east end of the Orange County Convention Center. Brendan, were you yep. up there? I, I was through the golf comp business conference. I did not actually stay and go to the show itself this year. You know, just like Andy said, this is the first year that I haven't gone in a long, long time, probably 20, 20, 22, 23 years. And, you know, the reason I didn't go, it's a home game for me. I live right here in Orlando, in the Orlando area. Uh, it was because I had my list. I made my list of vendors I wanted to talk to. I, I you know, I went through the PGA Merchandise Show website and I was looking at all the websites of the companies. And I just start doing some preliminary sending out messages uh, using some of the tools that Reed Expo has on the website to contact some of the vendors. And as it got to Thursday night, I was going to go on Friday. I had already checked off 75% of my list of the people that I wanted to get in touch with and contact with. Um, so I knew that it was a much smaller show than it has been in years past. I heard that throughout the week. Um, so I decided not to go, but I think the big thing that we need to put out there is, you know, this is nothing for people to read between the lines and think that golf's in a bad place. It has nothing to do with that at all. Golf's in a very good place just because, you know, the show, some of the big, uh, manufacturers weren't there means absolutely nothing. You know, we're coming off of 
two very strange years and having to learn how to do things differently and connect differently. And I think that's just the mode a lot of people are in still is, you know, we found these new ways to connect and get business done. And a lot of people are still doing that. So maybe what was in the past may never be the same again, but that doesn't mean that golf's not in a good place. I agree. I mean, closures are down. Um, yep. we, we can dive into the business side of it. I, I, I work it every single day. Um, you see the numbers from NGF, but uh, I just found it interesting that, that none of them were there and they certainly didn't miss the, the frigid temperatures. So uh, um, Christian, back nine, like we normally do, we're coming down the back nine, closing thoughts. Yeah, I'm, I'm very excited for the future of uh, this podcast. I know um, we got a lot of great stuff planned for you guys, you know, and um, it's only the beginning moving forward. Not only do you get to see, you know, Alan and myself every single week, you know, you get to see a whole panel now of, of truly great guys. And, um, you know, I'm just excited about it. So, and, and, and you remain the favorite podcaster, right? <laughs> I don't know. I mean, out of the out of the three, you know, Andrew, myself, and, and you, yes. But yeah. I don't know. It's, gonna, it's tough. The to game, the it, game has so. been stepped up. There's no doubt about it. With, with, with the Bobby Orr jersey and Baldessari's background. I mean, <laughs> Closing thoughts, Mr. Baldessari. Doesn't look like the Bruins are going to make the playoffs in the Stanley Cup. So uh, we're on to the Red Sox to begin with. Um, but, no, this is going to be – Yeah. Yeah, it's just going to be uh, – we, we want to uh, want to get some thought starters out there as we, we move along with our panel here and uh, a lot of bright minds and good, really good perspective in golf. And um, we, need, we need to just do things that can spark interest. And um, so whatever we can say, whatever we can share is going to be good. Um, I'll leave it at that. Andy? Yeah, I'm looking forward to, to the future of what we can do here. Look, I think it's – it's important that, that we're able to talk about some serious things and, and you know, talk about it from a, a level of experience, um, but also some fun things too and, and get things a little spicy from time to time because, you know, that's kind of the fun of, of this industry and of the game. So I'm really looking forward to all of this with, with all of you gentlemen. Well, the, yeah, I agree. The good, the good banter, the chirping back and forth. I mean, that's that that dates all the way back to when Bob was wearing his coat and tie with with playing golf there. So, <laughs> Mr. Elliot, closing thoughts, sir. I think one of the best things about you know this new combination of all the players on the panel here is if we can get video, so to see the backdrop behind Bob Baldessari. That will viewership tenfold right there. <laughs> no, like like everybody else said, this is this is gonna be fun, you know. Um, we all come at it from a little bit different perspective and a little bit different background. Um, but I think we all have a passion for sharing that with with the golfing public and anybody that tunes in and wants to learn more about anything from what's going on in the major tours to you know what's going on at the grassroots level at your mom and pop country club. And I would add that uh, my closing thoughts are it's great to have uh, everybody on this panel now. Uh, Christian, obviously, we've had some fun over the last uh, couple of years. We're expanding this and because Golf Talk Live is expanding with, with growth in mind. Florida is a great location. The Trident Golf Club is a tremendous spot. Bob's got an office picked out there for us and, it, and a great facility to play. 
and we're going to get a lot of insight on improving my golf game because I can't turn on the ball anymore. So, Brennan, please help at all, any opportunity there. Uh, check our social media. Uh, we are on Facebook. We are on Twitter. We are on Instagram. We try to regularly run some contests, especially on our Instagram page. Uh, always willing to work with some great sponsors, and we want to give a shout-out to our sponsors, Yips, uh, Survivor Golf Tee, Perfect Practice Putting Mat. All three of them have been great. We're excited to have them continue with us in the, into the future. And I close every show by simply saying, Christian, hit it long and straight because... It beats hitting it short and crooked. The 19th Hole Podcast presented by Golf Talk Live and brought to you by Perfect Practice Putting Mat, Yips, and Survivor Golf Tee.